more time, the splendid Bohemians, Bill Mesnick, Rich Buckland, with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s. We're going deep, Bill. We're going deep into the vault, into the emotional vault, one of the recordings that touched you and probably altered your psyche permanently and has made you the man you are today, has made you the gentleman <laughs> and the artist that you are today. The bitter, vengeful artist the bitter. that I am. <laughs> you are going to, and we are going to share. Hey, Rich, a, yes, you've but, got a lot of nerve to say you are my friend. <laughs> when I was down, hey, you, you know. You just stood there grinning. You got a lot of nerve to say you got to help an hand to lend. You just want to be on the side that's winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all let's say. Leave, let's leave the rest of them. Positively, we're talking about 4th Street, and we're talking about the immortal Bob. And when I say immortal, we're talking immortal. not in, He's immortal. He's, he's still alive, he's, but he's immortal. Boy, is he immortal. This guy is, this guy is beyond anything that... Uh, that Protean. has lived in my lifetime or anything that uh, that has come before. From God bless Bob Dylan. What I've witnessed. Um, so the year's 1965, and I'm hanging out with my friend Rick Fetter, and Rick's old man works for Columbia Records, and I see that uh, near his turntable, he's got a 45 RPM, and it says, please crawl out your window. If Bob Dylan, Columbia promo, I turn it over. There is positively Fourth Street. This is before you, it hits the radio. Yeah, and you mentioned that you still have that, and that's got to be incredibly valuable because that was a misprint that got recalled almost immediately. Almost immediately, and uh, the real B side is from a Buick Six. So, you have stated emphatically that this recording changed you and had an impact on you. Please, please. Tell me how, tell me when, tell me why. <laughs> well, you know, this record, it's without question one of the great singles. It's number seven on the Billboard chart, number 16 on Rolling Stone's best Dylan list of all time, 206 on the greatest of all time. Um, I didn't, I heard it on the radio, but I didn't own it until... A few years later, when I joined the infamous Columbia Record Club and I got Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, and there it was because it wasn't on any other albums. And um, the thing that penetrated my 12-year-old mind with such um, power was the obvious simplicity, no-holds-barred, everything stripped away just just saying it directly without metaphor and um i was i was like pinned to the wall like who was he talking about i wanted to know i i still want to know and we've we've thrown that question around a little bit some people say it was izzy young of the folklore center some people say it was uh phil oaks what is your opinion I think it's a composite. I think it's a composite since it was composed after the infamous Newport Folk Festival where Bob went electric. Four days uh, later. Four days later. And he's booed. And people are not particularly uh, in in love 
with the idea of this folk singer poet uh, creating these this loudness and the stories are infinite. Pete Seeger backstage with an axe with Tom Paxton and they want to cut the wires. Um, so, I don't know, Pete Seeger, Tom Paxton, Erwin Silber of Sing Out Magazine, Phil Oaks, although that's there's really no credibility there. There's the dramatic story of uh, uh, Oaks and Dylan in a limousine, and Oak, <laughs> Dylan is singing, Please Crawl Out Your Window for Phil, and Phil goes, I don't like that very much. Bob throws Phil out of the limousine in the middle of a New York street. She calls him. says, what do you know? What do you know? You're just a journalist. Journalist. Uh, yeah, you're just a journalist. Dirty word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> yeah. David uh, Hodge, in his book entitled Positively Fourth Street, uh, posits that it might have been Richard Farina. Yeah, but I think I, I think if you take a look at the work, you could go, okay, is Blood on the Tracks all about Sarah Dillon? If Blood on the Tracks is not all about Sarah Dillon, if Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands is not about Sarah, all about, well, there are songs in particular where you can identify who he is addressing with the need, the emotional, poetic need to do so. I think this but is, I say again, in all those, all those examples you cite, he spins these elaborate metaphors and he's playing with words. Here he's like, it's 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 one repeating phrase of music. It's without metaphor, except for the one line where he goes, uh, "The heart breaks you embrace." If I was a master thief, perhaps I'd rob them. That's the only uh, metaphor that he uses. Everything else is, you know, you're you're jealous get out of my face, you know, um, and I don't trust you. And, and you know, it's, it's like, it's very raw to me. The bitterness is a bitterness that Dylan was known to be able to channel and uh, to find better than, than most. Right. Suze Rattal says he could decimate people very easily. And you see a little bit of the... In the uh, in the Don't Look Back documentary, where he's making fun of Donovan, you know he's he's uh, he doesn't he doesn't brook any competition. No, I think part of it is the uh, the ambition. I mean, this is someone who knew exactly who he was, and was taking no shit for being exactly who he was. Um, we look at it in retrospect coming out right after Like a Rolling Stone, which was the longest single recording to be played on AM radio at six minutes, uh, non-edited. Um, Fourth Street chimes in at about four minutes, and the fact that it got as much airplay as it did, I thought, was, of course, because it was on the heels of Like a Rolling Stone. Um, no doubt. It stands up as a testament to this particular emotional period. We also we also know that he had also begun his uh, drug experimentation at this particular time. So I think he was a little on edge, to say the very least. Yeah, probably. One uh, interesting tidbit that when they unearthed 
John Lennon's jukebox in 1989, uh, it was on, it was lined up on that jukebox along with several old rock and roll and R&B, R&B and Motown. Um, let's talk briefly about the covers. You wanted to talk about Johnny Rivers. Well, one of the interesting things about, uh, about 4th Street is when there are not there are not tons of uh, cover versions of the song, but the one that it always stood out to me was from the Johnny Rivers album, Realization. Now, I'm a big Johnny Rivers fan. I think Johnny Rivers is one of the uh, sung and unsung heroes of, um, of, of rock and roll. I think he is a true uh, rock and roll artist with, a, with an ability to define himself uh, as Jimmy Webb proved with his compositions that he wrote and Johnny recorded, such as Do What You Gotta Do, a, a capability of being able to express himself in many, many dimensions. I thought he captured, uh, along with the production of the time, positively 4th Street brilliantly. I think and Dylan said it was his favorite version. In his book, Even more than his own. Yep. In his book, Chronicles, Dylan said that this is my favorite version of, of this song. He liked the way that Rivers uh, interpreted it, and it, it's not as angry. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, it doesn't move me the same way. It's very pretty. It's beautifully arranged orchestrally, um, and he's he croons it in a very sympathetic way. But it doesn't have, the, for me, the, the rancor that it should. Well, it, it, it's it's almost as if who do you want reading your pornography to you? <laughs> do you want it read by someone who's being subtle and someone who's being gentle and uh, emphatically almost uh, with a with an edge of, of Hemingway? Or, I guess it depends on what you're in the mood for. Or do you want Henry? Yeah. Or do you want Henry Miller? Just you know, or Charles Bukowski? Just telling you what what it's all about That's and, right. and That's telling right. you, look, fuck you. So Dylan's version is the big fuck you. Johnny's version is the, oh fuck me man, gently. why are you? <laughs> what? Why is this happening? And why do I feel this way? And why are you acting this way? There's more of a conversation. There taking place with, in Johnny's version. In Bob's version, okay. he's just yelling. He's yelling at everybody. Fuck you. Yeah, and the other guy's not getting a word in it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which anyway. Dylan was known to do. And if, if we've yes. ever seen those early interviews with Dylan are hysterical, as are some of the later ones, because he never answers a question, and he gets very, very insulted if it's a question that even remotely damages his sensibility, whether it be about Time magazine or there, there's so many clips of, of Bob getting upset. Um, but I, rem I remember listening to the record as we're driving to a golf range, my father and myself, uh, in Queens. And uh, he used to like to drive golf balls, and I got into that a bit. And we're li we hear it in the car, and my father turns to me, and he goes, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> what's this guy talking? Why is he so angry? Why he's so angry? Come on. Let's hear Strangers in the Night, God damn it. 
And believe well, me, folks, we I, we're going to play this record, and, and you decide. And then we'll play "Strangers in the Night." But isn't it interesting? Yeah. We lived during yeah. a time when "Positively Fourth Street" could be followed on the radio with by "Strangers in the Night." By "Strangers in the Night," there's something That's lovely right. about that. Come to think of it, yeah. there's something yeah. lovely about that. You're so hurt, why then don't you show it? You say you've lost your faith, but that's not where it's at. You have no faith to lose, and you know it. I know the reason. That you talk behind my back. I used to be among the crowd you're in with. Do you take me for such a fool to think I'd make contact with one who tries to hide what it don't know to begin with? Surprised. You say, How are you? Good luck, but you don't mean it. When you know as well as me, you'd rather see me paralyzed. Why don't you just come out once and scream it? You embrace If I was a master thief Perhaps I'd rob them And though I know you're dissatisfied With your position and your place Don't you understand It's not my Stand inside my shoes And just for that one moment I could be you Yes, I wish that for just one time You could stand inside my shoes You'd know what a drag it is to see you 
Bill, speaking of lovely, thank you so much. It's been lovely conversing with you once again as we explore the panorama of uh, songs, 45 RPMs in particular, that had an impact on us. Hopefully we'll have, uh, have had an impact on you. If you're unfamiliar, this will bring it to uh, you to your attention. And we will be back again putting on another stack of 45s one at a time. Sometimes we double them up because we make references, but you can dig it. Can you dig it? I can dig it. We can dig it. We'll see you soon, gang. Thank you. Stack of 45. Stack of 45.